Welcome to Rocking Our Prize. I'm your host, Dr. Alice Evans. Now here's a question. Does it really matter if female labour force participation is miscounted? Recently, Sajid Bala took me to task for supposedly using female labour force participation as an indicator of women's status. He argues that female labour force participation measurement reflects cross-national differences in definitions of women's work rather than the fundamentals of women's position in society. Women's work in home production, for example, isn't counted in female labour force participation. Therefore, it's underestimated. In a purely statistical sense, he's right. Home production is indeed undercounted in female labour force participation. For example, when West Bengal's rate of female labour force participation is expanded to include all economic activities that enable households to save expenditure, expenditure, it rises from 28 to 52%. But if we're interested in patriarchy, we must distinguish between different kinds of work. Not every kind of work is emancipatory. Ethnographies, focus groups and surveys tell us that rural women's contributions are scarcely considered work by men and sometimes by even by women themselves. Women's farm work does not guarantee women's esteem, autonomy, protection from violence. Even if North Indian women work long days harvesting crops, pounding grain and fetching firewood, they still eat last. As a 19th century Haryana saying, women as cattle bound, working and enduring all. So we must differentiate between unpaid contributions to the household and paid work in the public sphere. When women work for family owned enterprises, they remain under the control of kin. Same goes for family farms. Markets, Factory and office employment offer far greater possibilities for female solidarity. Through paid work in the public sphere, women gain esteem, build diverse friendships, discover more egalitarian alternatives, collectively criticise patriarchal privileges and become emboldened to resist unfairness. Paid work in the public sphere is counted under female labour force participation. So while this mismeasurement issue does erase women's valuable contributions to their households, it correctly tracks the kinds of work which provide pathways to female emancipation and solidarity. Now, women's share of paid work in the public sphere varies significantly across the world. This is both a cause and a consequence of the global heterogeneity in gender relations. So if you look at the World Economic Forum's Global Gender Gap Index under Economic Participation Opportunity, you'll see, and this uh, includes gender gaps in labour force participation, wages for similar work, earned income and share of senior positions and professionals, it's much, much lower in the Middle East, North Africa and South Asia. These regions are all caught in what they call the patrilineal trap. Women's share of paid work in the public sphere remains low because available earnings are too low to compensate for the loss of male honour. Thus it is men who go out into the world, run family businesses and migrate to new economic opportunities. Women are much more typically secluded, steeped in ideals of self-sacrifice, dependent on patriarchal guardians. 
The few women who encroach on men's turf are vulnerable to patriarchal backlash, harassment and violence. And as home-based South Asian women struggle to forge friendships, they remain beholden to these patriarchal ideals. So if you look at world value surveys, uh, questions to, you know, when jobs are scarce, do men have more rights? Is university education more important for a boy? Um, does women, do women have to have children for fulfillment? There is zero change. Zero change in gender beliefs over generations. Um, so uh, a young a man in India or a young man in Morocco is just as likely to endorse patriarchal ideologies as their grandfather. There has been no cultural change. And that's a consequence of low female employment. Now, East Asia was once similarly patriarchal, but job-creating economic growth created the social context in, women, in which women could pursue their own emancipation. Daughters gained face, so that's the Chinese expression for respect and social standing, by remitting their earnings, supporting their families, and showing filial piety, just like sons. By migrating to cities, women made friends, they bemoaned unfair practices, and they discovered different ways of doing things. And emboldened by peer support, women came to expect and demand better, whether that's in dating, domesticity, and industrial relations. So by mingling freely in cities, young adults increasingly dated before marriage, chose their own partners, and then established nuclear families. They liberated themselves from parental control. And that is a direct consequence of paid work in the public sphere. So, just to summarize this very brief podcast, attempts to correctly enumerate women's home-based work may please statisticians, but they tell us very little about patriarchy. Paid work in the public sphere is always counted, and heterogeneity in this regard reflects substantive differences in gender relations around the world. Okay, so I'm Dr. Alice Evans, and this is Rocking Your Prize. Thank you for listening.